Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 406. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rachel. Hey, Kevin. Hi. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Mortal Kombat, which is out now in theaters and on HBO Max. I didn't realize it, but those are only out on on HBO Max for a limited time, so you gotta gotta jump on it. I think, oh shit! Yeah, they take them off after a certain amount of time. Seems rude. Yeah. We'll also, be going over some more watching on the watch list and this week's new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be super helpful. Soon, I can add theaters back onto that list. Oh, watch out. Very soon, I think. I think it's happening. It's imminent. We're starting to see more things trickle into theaters, more theaters opening back up. AMC's open, opened its doors again, so... Mm, I lost my neighborhood. Oh, did you? Theater. Oh, yeah. man, that sucks. And it's, it sucks, too, because they, they, they closed down, and they did, like, a like an auction for, like, literally everything in the building, right? You could just go in, and it would just be like a shelf with its contents, you know? Put a bid in. And the shitty thing is, is apparently they just bought tons of leather recliners, and they were going to redo the entire theater, and then COVID hit. So they were auctioning off all the recliners, and yeah. That sucks. Bad, Bad timing. Well, I'm hoping that uh, theaters will be able to bounce back soon. I mean, the, the, the one of the big things is they need movies to put in the theaters, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a... It's kind of an important part. I was looking... You know, the, the last night I was going through the iTunes trailers app on my TV, and I was just like, oh my god, there's just... There's no movies. Like, there's just no movies. Like, this has been the most pathetic... We knew it would be, but... This has been the most pathetic year for movies. There's been like two movies that I've liked that came out this year. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. But the other thing one that that's grown out of this is like some really exciting like film festival type things and like new online programming that's free that you can check out. The only problem is is that uh, it seems like there's a lot and. Me personally, I don't have the time and they're limited. So I'm always like, oh, this looks really cool. And then like I finally get around to checking it out. And it's like you have one day left to watch 87 movies. It's like, God damn it. I have 45 minutes. Yeah, it sucks. I got it. Yeah, I, I think I've said it before on the show. Like I, I was really excited about the whole prospect of the online film festival thing. But I quickly realized after attending like four of them that it it's way more chaotic and stressful well, than yeah. in-person film festivals. But, but some of them are doing, like, there was just one recently called Prismatic Ground, which was, like, experimental stuff, which was really great. But I only got to see two movies from it because I just didn't have the time. But it was kind of set up like an even better version of Slam Dance, where everything was just free. You just went to the page. Everything was organized. It had, like, four waves, Right. Mm-hmm. Like four separate programs, you would just go on the page, and there were just little Vimeo window- windows, and you could just click play. You didn't have to buy a pass or anything. You could donate it if you wanted to, and you could just scroll through, find a movie, just click on the little window, and you could watch it. Nice, and it was great. Yeah, that's nice. It's the new Save by the Nineties will be dropping this week. Stay tuned. Uh, I'll be announcing that on social media. I, I had a really crazy busy week last week, and I did, didn't have a chance to finish the edit, but it's almost done now. So definitely, I'm looking at maybe Thursday for dropping that. So let's, yeah, probably Thursday. All right. All right, let's jump into our review. We're talking about Mortal Kombat. I uh, have a, this is directed by Simon McQuaid. McQuad? I don't fucking know. <laughs> McQuaid? I just, that, I just love that quick realization. Yeah. Wait a second, that's not right. And if you click on, it looks like he's done nothing else. No, no, he's a very he's, interesting. Yeah, he's an he's a newcomer. It's weird. Yeah, newcomer. I'm wondering if he did uh like some commercial work or like video game stuff. He has he's had to do something. 
music videos, maybe something. Would, there, there has to be hope. a reason that he was picked, you know. I would hope. I mean, uh, I, I have a synopsis here. MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. So, I've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. I was really excited for it. I went in deliberately with with very low expectations. Like, I wasn't expecting this to be a great movie or anything like that. So, I was hoping that I was setting myself up to not be let down. I suspected that I would at least have some fun with it from the trailer because the the trailer had a lot of really fun moments in it. And I'm like, Oh man, looks like the fights are at least going to be good. And you know, one, one of the things about mortal Kombat, obviously I was a huge fan of the video game series, still am. And, um, the, I was excited for the prospect of an R rated mortal Kombat movie. One that like embraces the gratuitous levels of violence that, that the game was so famous for. So I was really excited going into this. There's not a lot, of movies in 2021 that I feel like I'm excited about. And this was, this was one of them. And I got to say, I was like, I was pretty disappointed in mortal Kombat. Actually. Um, the thing about mortal Kombat for me was, and, and this was almost worse than it just being a pile of shit was that it was like, so middle of the road for me that it, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like complete dog shit either. It was just, straight down the middle and um i found a lot of it to be actually pretty dull which was really surprising yeah and (laughs) and like hugely disappointing it's like again i i would almost rather it be more like the 90s version where it's so over the so ridiculous and cheesy and and awful that it has some some lasting power but this it, i think it does some things right but i think that it uh, that it there it takes a lot of missteps along the way the oh, big yeah. the, the biggest part and this is something i think everyone sh- is probably talking about there's no tournament where is the fucking tournament like the whole the whole thing about this it's mortal combat it's it's designed it's a tournament to the death and and they talk about the tournament and they're like oh you're chosen Cole Young you're chosen to be in the Mortal Kombat tournament we got to get you to the tournament and train you and all this stuff and then the movie ends there's no tournament I do I do uh, I do kind of appreciate this idea that they go for is because like the tournament doesn't make any sense let's be honest and it's weird, like the arbitrary rules of this tournament where it's like, okay, you know, Outworld, you get, you have to win 10 tournaments in a row and then you're able to take over Earthrealm. You can invade, you know, you have every right because you won. And I just love that they pick 10 tournaments in a row. And of course they've won nine in a row. So they're kind of like, and I get it. I get Outworld. Like, you know what? Fuck this. We're just going to invade you. Because this is stupid. Like, why do we have to win 10 tournaments? Such a weird rule. I mean, the fact that there wasn't a rule against them just killing all of the fighters <laughs> before the tournament, I kind of, I do kind of like that, too. And that's totally fine to put that in there. I think that's a, actually a really great way to introduce the characters and start the world building. Like, have it... Don't, don't just go right into the tournament. But the fact that the whole movie is pre-tournament and, like, so many people die... Like before the tournament even begins. I mean, obviously this is all set up for a sequel, but I don't think they should have immediately planned for a sequel considering the track record of, you know, video game movies and Mortal Kombat in general. I mean, the first movie was very successful, but the second one wasn't. And the, the movies, the movie versions of Mortal Kombat have been pretty dormant ever since. There was that one TV show that was created. There's actually multiple TV shows. There was a really bad one in the 90s, and then there was that one that was, like, online that was pretty good. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think they should have just baked a sequel into it. Like, maybe maybe give us a little Easter egg or, like, a stinger at the end that alludes to a sequel. That's fine, but... I feel like this movie is designed to be the first chapter. Yeah. And I just, for a movie like this, I just don't, I think it's risky to do that. And it feels incomplete to me. And, you know, that's just, that's just my first kind of quibble 
with this with this movie. I think that there's there's multiple oh, yeah. things, I have, but I have more. Yeah, if you yeah. Want to hear. yeah. No, I, I said <laughs> one. I said an issue. Now you say an issue, and then we'll go back and forth. I mean, to start this off again, I I know I say this a lot, but I had no idea what this movie was going to be. Like I I had no no idea what they were going to do here. So the whole Cole Young thing kind of threw me because I was like, well, who's who's he going to be? You know, I'm trying to see, like trying to like look for clues as to what character he's going to be, you know, like be born into and be yeah. like, oh, OK, that's the guy from Mortal Kombat that I that I know from yeah. my childhood. And, you know, and I'm like, because Cole Young's, I mean, first uh, you, you pick a super bland name. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> horrible character, like horrible main character, horrible protagonist. Nobody cares about Cole Young. Give me a break. Yeah, you have a huge roster of characters, yes. a huge roster. And to to their credit, they include a lot of characters in this in his first entry. And I think that's great. You know, like everybody has their favorite Mortal Kombat character. And the fact that so many of them are represented in this, even like, you know, some of the lesser known character, I don't know if that's true, but a lot of like, not the non main, like Mortal Kombat one characters are in this. And the fact that they brought in this, like created this new guy. I mean, I kind of understand what they're going for. Like, this is a brand new character. He's coming in and, learning about the world as we are and stuff. But I just don't feel like they had to do that. I mean, the, the, bring Johnny Cage in, have Johnny Cage be the main character. That well, would have probably been way better. Yeah. But I mean, even, even if you're going to go this route of making a new character, okay, fine. I did like, I get it too. Like you said, it's kind of a, a plant for the audience where it's the new guy. who doesn't know anything about this. So it gives them opportunities to kind of like, explain the lore to him and you know the history and stuff and you know people that aren't maybe familiar with mortal Kombat can kind of get some information but if you're going to do that maybe come up with a better name than cole fucking young for christ's sake i mean that's just the blandest name i've ever heard in my life uh two the him like working towards unlocking his arcana to like become his special character i mean that's when i like gave him a a little bit of of room where i was like okay well let's see what he turns into this could be cool uh he turns into a super bland character yeah i mean jesus christ you at least there's consistency with the name and the fucking outfit and weapons and shit jesus christ and i mean just everything about his character is just so dull yeah just incredibly dull and that you know to use like oh he has to unlock his arcana because he cares about his family like it took him that fucking long yeah to figure that out <laughs> took his family almost getting brutally murdered <laughs> for him to unlock it even kano you know even kano like the freaking dullard was able to unlock his which by the way is is another thing i don't want to like completely shit on this movie because i think that there were there were a lot of elements that i did like i liked the idea that the way that they introduced the sort of powers like that, where you unlock them and because it, I I never, cause they never really, as far as I know, they never really explained how people have just superhuman abilities in the Mortal Kombat games. It was just sort of there. So I did like how, you know, when, if you're chosen for this tournament, you train and eventually you do unlock some sort of power within you. And I liked, I liked that. I thought that that was a, a cool, you know, mechanic. But everything with Cole Young, I thought was just so, so bad. I mean, fortunately, it's not like we spend gobs and gobs of time with him. Like, I I feel like him being there is offset by all of the other characters, the actual Mortal Kombat characters, which are like far more interesting than him. I mean, even even in this movie, they're way more interesting. Like, I really liked what they did with Kano, how they made him this sort of wise cracking Aussie and how at first he was sort of on their side and going on this adventure with them. So I liked what they did with Kano. I thought that was cool. Um, and, and I just, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You, you continue. I think, well, I think the, the thing that gets me with the, like the Cole young stuff and the arcana stuff is far too much of this is played like very seriously. 
like far too seriously for a movie based on a video game. Yeah. That like the only thing about Mortal Kombat is that there was a blood code. Like that was it's not and you know I might ruffle some feathers. Like it's not that great of a fighting game, to be honest. I mean, it's just cool that it has fatalities and it had a blood code. Like the fighting mechanics of it were not good at all. And it didn't really get much better until like later down the road. Yeah, they got they got, it definitely got better. It it became yeah. a viable fighting game later on. But But that was its only claim to fame. Yeah, I mean I, I agree <laughs> with you. Blood. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think it's a movie that should take itself too seriously. And I think that it does try to keep things light, but too often I agree that it that it does take itself too seriously and you know i i think that it's a tough it's a tough balancing act because you have a movie that's so chock full or a, just a story a property that is so chock full of violence you don't want to you don't want to get too goofy with it you still want it to look cool and be badass and have badass fight scenes so i i think it's it's tough and i think that that's maybe one of the problems is that it tries to strike that balance because there's a lot of like one-liners and jokes and like references to the game like the finish him and flawless victory and fatality you know you have all of those references but sometimes they don't fit and it felt like you know like there was a there was one scene when kung lao which by the way i love that kung lao is in this um kung lao kills somebody and he says i think that was him he says flawless victory and it was just it felt so tacked on and you're just like oh (laughs) come on and and you know that would be fine like that moment would be fine if the rest of the movie kind of followed that same tone where you have these like really intense moments of action but in between that it's almost like a like a comedy but that's not really how it is no no and it's just it's unfortunate i mean because the thing that gets me the most um with this is that it feels really really uneven like we we talked about the balancing act between like going far too serious like i think they just take the needle way too far when they try and go serious and it just it throws it way out of whack especially when it's focused on cole young but uh, it's like story wise and even action wise really like with the fight scenes and everything there it's like there's two movies because you have the bookends with the sub-zero and scorpion stuff which feel incredible. And it feels like that should be the main focus of this movie and not Cole Young. And those fight scenes, the effects work, like everything to do with Sub-Zero and how they do the ice and, you know, ice crystals, ice shattering, him throwing ice, you know, all that stuff. It all looks absolutely incredible. And then everything else that's kind of like in the middle just doesn't feel on the same level at all, to me at least. No, I 100% agree with you. I think that the opening of this movie is badass. I think that it had a great opening. And even like the whole, pretty much the first act is is fine. Um, the All of the Scorpion Sub-Zero stuff is an obvious highlight, and I think that anyone will say that it's the, they're the best moments of the movie. The beginning, like the opening where they establish the Scorpion Sub-Zero relationship, and then the you know the big fight at the end and that's the thing like when i said before when i was like wow the trailer makes it look awesome and shows a lot of really cool fight scenes the thing is the trailer all those fight scenes that they show in the trailer you see in the movie and that's like that's it and yeah <laughs> and it's so unfortunate because uh there, there's something weird about this movie and how they do the fight scenes um after the movie i said i could have used some more action like I said to my wife, I was like, I felt like there wasn't a lot of fighting in it. But then when I thought about it, I realized it's almost wall-to-wall fighting. Like, there's almost, there's very little downtime. But then I started thinking, like, why did I, why was my first thought, oh, there wasn't enough fighting in this movie, when in, in reality, that it's almost nonstop. And I realized because the fights were so short and... A lot of times they were there were mo- like simultaneous fights happening at once. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It it like sort of detracted from the overall action yeah. experience. And yeah, because you and would you have, have. Sorry, you have these like big moments that that 
come up and you're like, oh shit, like, uh, you know, it's going to be like Luke, Luke Kang versus Cabal and this is going to be a badass fight and it lasts like 10 seconds and you're just like, come, what? Like, he, what's going on here? And I think that that's why my initial thoughts were uh, there wasn't enough fighting. Yeah, no, because you're exactly right because the problem is, is you have too many fights at once and you're cross-cutting between those fights so yeah, you get Liu Kang versus Cabal, and you're like, yes, this is great. This is what I signed up for. But you'll get, you know, it's essentially just Cabal attacking, you know, like just simple maneuvers, and Liu Kang blocking them, you know, like five strikes maybe, and then it cuts to the other fight that's happening at the same time, and does the same thing, and then it cuts to this fight, and it's just constantly cutting between these fights, and you're not really seeing like incredible action you're just kind of getting some like hand strikes that are getting blocked and then it cuts to another one and this guy's smashing something and then it cuts to another one you know where this guy got knocked in the face and and i and and that's it yeah and i and i think that that's why the one of the reasons that the scorpion sub-zero fight stands out because they actually take the time to show them fighting one-on-one and it's like an actual fight like choreographed fight scene where it's not just this little like 10 second snippet and even even there's like a really big fight that happens uh earlier on where it's basically all the characters it's like a big you know battle royale where it's like the good guys versus the bad guys they're all fighting at once they're all in the same place and you know that has some really great moments but again they still do the same thing where it they're like Oh, Sonya Blade's fighting Melina, and then we see, like, three seconds of that, and then we jump over to Kung Lao, and then, you know, they're they're still fighting separately. So it still yeah. has that same effect. Then later on, when they split up and then they fight again, that's even more, um, you know, disjointed. And I think that that was just, a, just not a great way to, to portray it. Yeah, yeah. Which because, sucks because I feel like I think that they really nailed a lot of the aspects of this. I think that for fans, I think there's a lot of stuff the fans will enjoy. Like the fact that the moves that are performed in the movie are moves that you see in the game. Like the powers and the fatalities. Yeah, there's fatalities in this movie, which is not something we've really seen before in a, in a Mortal Kombat movie. And it's the same fatalities that you see in the game. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's really cool. But I just feel like for every step forward, they just took two two steps back. Yeah, it just it feels like to me again the like the Scorpion Sub Zero that that was that's where they put all their time and effort, and then they just decided like okay, we just got to fill in between these two end pieces. It, it is interesting, isn't it? it? It does almost feel like it's two separate movies because the tone is different, even like the look, like aesthetically. It's different, it and and uh, like the effects work looks like it's like they put more effort into into yeah, the effects that's what work. I mean. Like like that was done first, and then they're like, okay, this is the budget that we have left over, so let's let's do something. We don't even have money for a cool name. The only thing we can afford is Cole Young. <laughs> Cole Young. <laughs> oh man, that's that's yeah, that's un- unfortunate. And that, again, that was uh, another personal thing for me. Uh, there's a lot of Mortal Kombat characters that I do not like and I have no interest in whatsoever. And I was really, like, right off the bat, I was like, oh, boy. Because you got the Cole Young thing, which I wasn't quite sure what was going on there. Plus, all I knew is that he was boring. He was a dull, he was a dull character. But I held out hope that I could, that it could be redeemed in some way. And then Jax shows up, and I'm like, okay, I don't like Jax at all. I can't stand him as a character. So, of course, this is going to be Sony Blade, who I don't like at all. And then I could just kind of came to the realization that, like, I just hate all the Earthrealm people. Like, they're, they're just, they're very boring to me. For the most part, they're yeah. Just, yeah. They're just not as cool. And it's tough to be, like, rooting for them. Because I understand Outworld. You have this stupid bullshit of you got to win 10 tournaments. Seems ridiculous. Yeah, fuck the tournament. Just start. Just take over. You far, far more powerful than they are. There's yeah. no way that Earthrealm is winning these things, 
And I don't know how they pull it off. It's bullshit. Cole Young? You lost to Cole Young. <laughs> Who has, like, the lamest power of, of all. <laughs> he's got sticks. Get the fuck out of here. And what? He's got wicker armor? Wicker armor and sticks. Get yeah, he, he, he's... He, oh, man. I, I can't imagine playing him in the game. Like, I mean, the most boring character to play in the Mortal Kombat game. You just block. You hold down block. Well, that's what I wonder now, too, with the video game. Are they going to introduce him? They might. Were they, were like, were they, did they have input? Because let's say they don't have input, right? And they watch this movie and they're like, they're just kind of looking at each other like, fuck, do we have to add a Cole Young to the goddamn game? Like, no one wants that. They will. I I guarantee you they will. I hope they do and that it's impossible to win with him. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's coded in that you lose. You just get your ass kicked instantly. Yeah, it's uh I wouldn't be surprised. I mean they, they added so many characters to Mortal Kombat. Well, that was the other thing that I, I got confused cuz there's the guy with the sledgehammer. I I've, I've never seen I don't know who that life. is either. I don't know who I don't know who the fuck that is. Like I play I played Mortal Kombat 11. I have no idea who that is. Rico? I I don't know who that is. And even when they did Reptile. Yeah. I didn't cuz I'm like was he ever a reptile? Under the, yeah, under the costume. Yeah, but, like, does, is that how people know him? Mm, I don't really know. I don't know, like, what the, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not the biggest Mortal Kombat, like, I don't follow all the lore. I don't, I don't know what all yeah. the lore is and stuff. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I know that Reptile is, like, looks like that underneath the costume. Like, I know that some of his finishing moves when he takes... His mask off and I, stuff. It's like a reptile, but because I remember in the like in the very very beginning, he was just a dude. Like as they just, I loved how Mortal Kombat just got sucked into the whole Sub Zero Scorpion <laughs> motif. And they're just like, let's do every color, let's do every color. Well, there that, is. that was the limitation of the technology. It was the <laughs> because they wanted to add more characters, but they didn't have the memory to do like new models. So they just did a palette swap and just changed one from blue to yellow. <laughs> <laughs> love it and then, and then they and then they're like hey let's do a green let's one. do a green one let's, yeah let's, let's do a gray one yep uh i like the i like that cabal was in this too i thought that uh, i like what they did with that character where they made him sort of like a wisecracking dickhead like he had a lot of he had a bit of an attitude towards him i, I like the cabal character uh especially mortal kombat 11 i had a lot of fun playing as cabal yeah and that, that was a character that i was never like a big fan of uh, of course, I mentioned Kung Lao. Melina's in here. I like. I always liked Melina as as a character as well. Um, you don't. She, you get to see a little bit of her in action. Not 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 a ton. Of course, you have like most of the core characters with Sonya Blade, Raiden, Kano, Liu Kang. Interestingly, uh, Shang Tsung is in here. He is like the big bad guy, but you don't really get to see him do much. He does take someone's soul at one point, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and we mentioned Scorpion and Sub Zero. So all of the like MK One characters are in here except for Johnny Cage, which I, I, I'm assuming that that was all part of their their master plan with the series. But it still felt really weird to not have mm-hmm. Johnny Cage, considering he's like, you know, I think I think most people could say like Liu Kang is like the main Mortal Kombat guy, like the main protagonist. And then like Johnny Cage is sort of maybe second on the list. So what it was, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed that because I hate Johnny Cage and I already had to deal with fucking <laughs> Jack and Sonya Blade for Christ's sake. Cool. Young. I liked, I, I like Johnny Cage. I, I like his, his attitude. And I think that that is a character like the version of Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 11, I think was, was fun, especially because um, if if you're not familiar with the plot of Mortal Kombat 11, there was like this whole time rift thing that's happening, and so you have like young Johnny Cage meeting the old Johnny Cage, and I don't know, was, there's the fun dynamic with that. I like that they used the original Mortal Kombat theme song, the and like a remixed version of that. I thought that was cool. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed the the little joke of the the leg sweep. <laughs> yeah, we kept doing that, it. That was my favorite, yeah, that's my favorite part. 
That was I thought that was great too. Yeah, there's tons of little like Easter eggs and winks and nods to fans, and I thought that most of it worked. Like I said before, some of it felt tacked on, but you know, I yeah, I I think that most of it was was pretty pretty fun. And like I, I it was funny because like there would be something like a fight, and I would say to my wife like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna do this move with this person and then they would do it and I'd be like yes <laughs> especially with like Sub-Zero when he sprays the ice on the floor and stuff like that so I I think that yeah there there is a lot of fan service in here and I think that that's really fun I just think that the overall package is such a such a disappointment and you know if they are working on a sequel I'm hoping that they listen to what people are saying with these criticisms and and you know, focus the story and focus the the fight choreography and and don't just cram in a million fights all at once where we get split seconds of each one. Like let's I, I'm assuming that this if there is a sequel it will take place during the tournament and I think that hopefully just by nature of the plot it'll fix that issue where they'll be forced to focus on one fight at a time. But then on top, but then like you have the issue where it's a tournament. So like the environment is not going to be great, but I don't know who knows. I was kind of hoping that we would get like a cool, like one of the environmental kills that are in the game. Like uh, I was hoping that somebody would get knocked into the spike pit, like from mortal Kombat two. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do. And I just remembered something that I hope they don't do. Cause I just remember, cause I'm, kind of looking through characters of Mortal Kombat. And I reminded of Stryker, who's my least favorite Mortal Kombat character. So if they just make sure not to bring Stryker. I think Stryker was the in the, mo- the second movie. I think he was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Stryker <laughs> was like the lamest. Oh, my God. I, don't- and I think that's that, that was always the, like, the sad thing to me with Mortal Kombat is like the Earthrealm people are just always like military <laughs> just like military guys yeah so, uh, that's just a bummer military guys are like mma fighters or yeah and i mean strikers fucking swat guy NYPD. Yeah. yeah give me a goddamn <laughs> one <laughs> striker <So> born. <laughs> Fucking striker. I, I think that there's uh, still a lot of opportunity here <laughs> i i think that i think that they can recover this just because it wasn't like i said at the top of the of the review i didn't think it was complete dog shit i think that there were a number of aspects of it that i did like and i think that they did right i think that they just need to refine things and and focus a little bit more and and a sequel could be a lot of fun i mean there's still even though they did pack in a lot of characters there's still a ton of characters that they can pull from that I think would be really fun. Um, Baraka, you can pull him in. Oh, yeah. I think that yeah, would be... Baraka, yeah, man. Noob Saibot. Noob Saibot, yeah. Cyrax. Cyrax, yeah. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Bring those in. And uh, leave, you know, Striker and them on the cutting room floor. They did Don't show a picture. Who's the guy's name? His name's like, like Nighthawk or something. The Native American yeah. guy. I can't remember his... Name. Nightwolf. 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 Yeah, they showed a picture of him in the movie, so you, that was a little Easter egg. But he wasn't actually in it. Yeah, which is which is weird because it's like if they know if if they know if they're aware of Nightwolf, and he has the obviously he has the the sign. You know, like where was he during the training? So, well, it looked like he was a part of like the history. Oh, part of the research, so he might have been like in one of the nine tournaments that they lost. Oh, it could which be, is a, which is a weird thing to have because now you're messing up with the the timeline. Yeah, I mean, combat, but I, who knows? They could they could easily and and that's the thing. Like a lot of these characters, not a lot. Some of the characters do get killed, but being Mortal Kombat, I think that you could easily you know yeah, bring yeah. them back. Like the, I mean, just just looking if they if they decided to use MK11 as as a plot as a way to bring it in, like there's this whole like time shifting element and stuff where you could. Well, yeah, do that. Well, it's, it's it's Mortal Kombat. 
Like, we don't care. Man, I, I can't cares. remember. There's this one character in Mortal Kombat 11, and she, she, she uses, like, blood magic to fight. And, like, she, when she, like, beats someone up and they start to bleed, she can, like, pull the blood out of them and turn it into, like blades and stuff and what a she's like a total badass character hmm. i'd like to see that character come in yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities here i might have to get mortal kombat 11 i think that's what we're what we're finding out here i think it was recently it was on sale i'm not sure what platform i think it was free i think i saw it was like free recently or something i don't know i'll i'll look into it but you know and, and there, there's they added so many characters like Terminator and RoboCop and all all these other. It's it's a really great game. It's really fun. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and give Mortal Kombat a score. Uh, this is a it's a bit of a tough one for me, just because I think it wasn't horrible, but I was still disappointed despite going in with fairly low expectations. So. I think I'm at like a four and a half on this one. I I would put me at a three and a half, I think. All right. Uh, You know, it still has its moments. I think that the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight is almost worth the price of admission, especially if you have HBO Max and you can just check it out there. And like some that that fight is incredible. Like it's it's so Mm -hmm. good. So, yeah. And I, I love the effects work, like just going back, the, the ice, what they did with the ice and the and like with Scorpion and the, the the fire effects, even like this stuff that Liu Kang did with fire, I thought looked really good. So yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, positives to be said about Mortal Kombat. Not not the same kind of train wreck that like Mortal Kombat Annihilation was, or most other video game movies. I mean. Think about it on that level. This is a video game movie, so the bar is pretty fucking low to begin with. I don't well, know. Yeah. If, I, I don't I'll know if it's the best action. video game movie, but it's like probably the top five. Well, and the fact that it's a it's a fighting game, right. video game movie. <laughs> like, there's like it's not a video game that has a story, right? It's not The Last of Us. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what I've been watching. Uh, I have a, I had a pretty light week this week. Uh, I saw Boys from County Hell, which uh, is on Shudder. This came out on Shudder on Thursday. It's directed by Chris uh, Chris Ball. Bow. Um, the, this is a horror comedy. It's a vampire horror movie. Uh, it's, it mm, does, a, does some interesting things with the vampire lore. It doesn't it doesn't follow the rules? Of vampires, which I actually found a bit refreshing. It's like I think a lot of these movies feel bound by these arbitrary rules about vampires and zombies and other creatures. Where it's like, yeah, no, you don't. You're not. You can do whatever you want. You know, like yeah, that's why I love. It's like these aren't like written in stone. Yeah, it's not pulling from like the history books here. Like you can, you can do whatever you want. So they do some really interesting things with vampires in this. The The basic premise is that it takes place in this small Irish town, this little village. And on the moors, there's this like sh- this like shrine and there's this all this like backstory about vampires. Nobody really believes it. And they're they're installing this like highway bypass through the town and they have to destroy this this like monument. This Basically, it's like a pile of rocks. And before that happens, there's an accident where someone gets injured and killed at this. And the blood from this person gets like, it seeps into the ground and it awakens some, some, a vampire. And, um, the sort of interesting thing about this is how the vampire extracts blood from people. Basically, it doesn't have to just come up and bite your neck like a traditional vampire. It can like actually pull the blood out of you. So there was a scene where this one dude was, he was in an accident and he had to have neck surgery. So he's, he's like sitting there and he is like, has like the neck brace thing on and he's, he's talking to one of his friends and he's like, Oh, and he just, he's like, Oh, one of my stitches just popped. And all of a sudden you just see just blood just gushing from his neck and it's because the vampire was there. And there's another scene where there's a couple, an elderly couple, and they're sitting and watching TV. And the, the, the woman 
her nose just starts gushing blood and the other and then the husband like his eyes just start bleeding and there's this really cool effect where you can see like the blood sort of running on across the floor towards the vampire so it, there's some really cool stuff here it's not overly goofy that was the one thing that i was a bit concerned about um i i'm just kind of tired of of horror comedies that go that try to get really overly goofy and gory like i've just seen it too many times before like with with deathgasm i feel like that was just the last one i need to see for a while because that that did it right and i feel like that's just like anything else feels like a knockoff um but Mm -hmm. The tone of this is a little bit more serious than kind of what I expected going into it, but it's still fun. And uh, overall, I would recommend Boys from County Hell. I like the title too. And it's uh, it's on Shudder. So if you have Shudder, check it out. Okay. All right. I watched something on Shudder as well. And that's Edge of the Axe, 1988. Oh, okay. Which... In the movie, it says that it's directed by Joseph Bronstein, but that is not correct. Using a using a fake name there, it's mm-hmm. actually Jose Ramon Larraz. So this is kind of a an odd, like half Spanish American production type thing going on here. Uh, what it is essentially is just a clear Halloween ripoff. Just you got an axe wielding murderer going around just causing havoc. And I like that the actual like synopsis on shutter says uh, a small town in California is being, they have to deal with the exploits of an axe wielding maniac. And I just like that they use exploits. Like, it's not necessarily him <laughs> killing people. It's just him <laughs> running around causing exploits. trouble. <laughs> oh man. Doing pranks and such. Um, so he wears this, a white mask, right? Uh, it's a goofy looking mask. Uh, you got some point of view stuff from the killer. Like it's all very, you know, there's this idea of like, Oh, it could be this person that escaped from a psychiatric hospital. Like it's fucking Halloween. Ridiculous. But the thing that gets me about this movie is it does that thing where it kind of introduces a number of characters in this small town that could potentially be a suspect you know there's they give you a little clue to each person where you're like well it could be it could be him or it could be this guy you know so you get this long list of people of characters that it could be right so and then what it ends up doing is the old we're gonna make it someone the least the person that you would least suspect and it just, oh my God, you're just going to gasp. It's going to blow your mind. But also, you know, when most movies do that, you just, like, uh, most of the time, you're just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I roll. <laughs> and that's what happens here. It just, like, as soon as it's, like, introduced, you're just like, well, no, that can't be. I Like, I saw the killer. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I didn't see the face, but I saw the frame of the person, then it doesn't match at all. Like, I don't, why are you doing this? It doesn't make sense. But that's what they do. Uh, and it just kind of, it doesn't necessarily ruin the movie, because it's not that good of a movie to begin with, to be honest. Um, it's pretty dull, unfortunately. Even at 90 minutes, there's a lot of nothing going on. The kills are okay, you know. The the interesting thing here is that like when a person is getting hacked up with the axe, like it shows them getting hit with the axe. Like it's just it looks like it's a dummy axe and it's just a person beating someone with this dummy <laughs> axe. Which is it's just interesting. It's interesting. Um the only other element to this that's of note is there's two two young people that are kind of like starting a relationship and they're both really into computers. Yeah, and and the guy's like super in. He's got his new. He got his Icarus. You can ask Quay to plug into the central terminal. You find out anything you need to know. So they kind of end up like using that to try and figure out who the killer is, but not really. So that's kind of like an interesting little you know snapshot time capsule type thing. 
But for the most part, this was a, a huge letdown for me. Yeah, I, that was the computer stuff is really the only thing I remember. But I, I wrote a review for this movie when it was uh, came out on Arrow. Arrow released this on Blu-ray uh, back in January of 2020. And before Arrow put it out, it was only available on VHS. They they did like a remaster and put it out. Yeah, I, I remember I just, almost nothing about it. I just, just I the computer thought, stuff. I just I had a feeling that this was going to be you know this going to be something special, but uh, it didn't it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, if you're if you're in the market for like a just an '80s slasher that maybe you haven't seen before, fits that bill. It's it's got an interesting thing at the end where like the the music for this movie is really bizarre because it does like dramatic music, but it also has this weird like country like upbeat country soundtrack to it, and it's really weird at the end where they do like there's this kind of, not really a twist but kind of like this realization it's supposed to be kind of like very sinister and they have this sinister music playing, but like as it's happening it gets completely interrupted by credits and upbeat country music just fucking shuts it up it's like no <laughs> we don't got time for that we gotta do credits motherfucker we're yeah. out of here love it alright that's the edge of the axe uh sorry edge of the axe not the edge it's just edge it's on shutter check it out there the only other one that I saw uh was actually there's two that I can mention. Uh the first one is The Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story. This is on Hulu. This is a documentary about Nickelodeon. Okay. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Nickelodeon as a kid. Uh one might even say I was obsessed with Nickelodeon as a child. Just consumed everything Nickelodeon. Watched it 24/7. I had all of the Nickelodeon merchandise. I had Ren and Stimpy dolls and Gak, all of that. Loved loved me some Nickelodeon. I was obsessed with Snick, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, and this documentary just goes over the history of Nickelodeon. So it, it talks about how Nickelodeon came to be, the people who came up with the idea, who designed the logo, all of the people who designed the like the original programming for Nickelodeon and like created Double Dare and um, and then it sort of gets into all of those 90s Nickelodeon shows that we've all, you know, that a lot of us grew up with, like Hey Dude and Salute Your Shorts. And uh, they, they talk about Nick Arcade and Legends of the Hidden Temple and Guts. And they talk about uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which I was super happy about. And they actually spent a decent amount of time talking about The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which to this day I... I still believe that that was like a show that was way ahead of its time. And if you see it today, you'll just sort of appreciate its brilliance. And they talk about like Clarissa explains it all and Snick and Nick Jr. And all, all the Nickelodeon shit. So it, this was a fun kind of nostalgic look back at the early days of Nickelodeon. And it was, it was well structured. Uh, they got interviews with a lot of the sort of important people at Nickelodeon, I feel like they kept everything very light and very positive. Like there was no like controversy or anything like that. They they kept everything l- making Nickelodeon look look very good in this. And maybe that's just how it was. You know, maybe maybe Nickelodeon didn't there weren't any controversies or anything. They talked about some stuff like with you know Ren and Stimpy and what they were able to get away with, and you can't do that on television, and how that was super controversial when when they first released it but overall it's uh it's a pretty pretty good documentary if you're looking to feel nostalgic if you're in your 30s especially so good stuff it's on hulu uh the the other one that i will mention this is one that i saw last week but i couldn't quite talk about it yet i can talk about it now that's the mitchells versus the machines this is directed by michael rianda this is going to be on Netflix. It's an animated film. Uh, Michael Rianda is was a creative consultant guy on um, Gravity Falls. And this is also co-directed by Jeff Rowe, who was involved with Gravity Falls as well. So if kind of an idea of what to expect going into this. It, there is definitely some, some kind of Gravity Falls DNA in this. Um, but it's, it's also produced by 
Lord Miller, so you should also kind of know what to expect as far as the the comedy going into this with a Lord Miller film. Uh, and it's great. It's hilarious. I thought it was... I was laughing from beginning to end. I thought it was just uh, just a treat. This, is, this movie is a joy. It's a joy to watch. Uh, it's a very positive movie. It's family-friendly, but I think that adults can... Um, really take a lot away from this as well it if, if you're not familiar it's uh basically about this uh this teenage daughter who is graduating and she's about to go off to college in los angeles and she has a bit of a rocky relationship with her dad so in order to sort of mend things her dad decides instead of just flying her out to school that they're going to drive there as a family and go on this like family road trip and as soon as they start out on their road trip, it turns out that um, these robots gain sentience and start to take over the planet. So they have to. So the family has to work together to escape from these like potentially killer robots. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. The animation is really good. It's the same style uh, as Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So if you liked that kind of animation style, it's this is very similar. Which I appreciate it because it's not like your standard Pixar stuff. You know, it doesn't look like your just regular normal CG. Really, the only issues I had with it were whenever they would cut to the robot stuff, I found that to be far less interesting than just the family dynamic. Um, you have this really great family dynamic that's occurring here. You have uh, Maya Rudolph is the mom. Danny McBride is the dad. Abby Jacobson is Katie, the daughter, and then you have um, this the the younger brother played, who's voiced by Michael Rianda, and then there's the they have a dog which I love. I love their dog. He's a pug, and the way that he's animated is so funny in this. A lot of really great dog jokes in this. So good as a dog lover, yeah, definitely. Into it. So you have a really great uh, voice cast. Is, in addition to the, the people that I already mentioned, you have Charlene Yee, Olivia Coleman, Eric Andre, um, Fred Armisen is in there, Beck Bennett. And Fred Armisen and Beck Bennett play these two robots who turn into like good guys, and they're, they're really funny too. Uh, Conan O'Brien does a voice, Christy Teigen and John Legend. They play like these, this like perfect couple, this like perfect, they're the neighbors, and they're, they're just this like amazing, perfect family, and they're really funny in it too so highly recommend the mitchells versus the machines that's going to be out on netflix this friday so check it out and i'll have a review up on the site for this as well okay all right let's take a look at what we have on vod this week on the 27th we have murder barry win this is some kind of comedy about a board a bunch of friends that create a board game and i don't know there's some kind of murder involved with it doesn't look great. Uh, we got Making Sense. This is uh, the story of an aging neuroscientist who teams up with a group of young graduate students to prove that his hypothesis that individuals with disabilities hold the key to unlocking a sixth sense. Oh. Look out. I have to ask, talk to Ryan about that. We got Bad Witch. Xander is a witch whose abuse of black magic has led him to disaster after disaster. Come on, Xander. Get with it. Get with the program, Xander. We got The Sleepless. It's a romantic comedy. We got Andy the Great. This is a, this is also a comedy. Looks like a bit of a coming-of-age sort of story. Uh, okay. that, that actually doesn't look too bad. Uh, we have Here Are the Young Men. This is a, also a coming-of-age story, I believe. Three high school grads plan to celebrate their newfound freedom with an epic bender. But when a horrible oh, accident man. sends them spiraling, each must grapple with the most daunting challenge of their lives, facing their own demons. Oh. Uh, Anna, what's her name? Anna Taylor-Joy? Is that her name? I think so. Yeah, she's in that. We got Pipeline. That's a horror movie. The Darkness Pulls. We got Wildcat. Yes. Wildcat. <laughs> Royal, <laughs> Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> course this is uh some kind of action movie looks like it's a saban film so you have an idea of what that's gonna entail on the <laughs> 29th you have things heard and seen that's gonna be on netflix 
On the 30th, we have The Mitchells versus The Machines on Netflix. We have Eat Wheaties. That's a comedy with uh, Tony Hale. We got Percy versus Goliath, based on incredible true events. This is uh, with Christopher Walken and Zach Braff and Christina Ricci. Okay. Tells the true story of a small-town farmer taking on one of the largest agricultural and food manufacturing corporations. Nice. Good work. Mm-hmm. We got The Outside Story. This is a uh, romantic comedy with Brian Tyree Henry in a starring role. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll have a review for that up on the site shortly. Without Remorse, this is going to be on Amazon Prime. This is the, the one with uh, Michael B. Jordan. It's an action movie. It's a Tom Clancy. Oh. Yeah, I'll be giving this a look, because why not? Like, I I don't expect anything out of it, but might be some good yeah. action. Who knows? We got The Resort. This is a uh, horror movie. Four friends head to Hawaii to investigate reports of a haunting at an abandoned resort, and then some crazy stuff happens. Good. Yeah, I'll be, I hope they win. Yeah, it looks like it could be. All right, I'll probably give it a look. We got the virtuoso. I, think, uh, I thought Anthony Hopkins was in this, but apparently not. Oh, it is. It. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in this. Uh, we have Separation. This is another horror movie. We have Golden Arm. This is a comedy about female arm wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some, there's some funny people in it. Could be good. Uh, that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. We're we're going off of Best Buy again. Blu-ray.com still down. Apparently they they had to upgrade some stuff and it broke a lot of things. And hopefully they'll be yeah. back up soon. I've got Vanquish coming out. That's the uh, action movie with uh, Morgan Freeman and Ruby Rose. We got the Switchblade Sisters coming out on Arrow. This is a this is a really good exploitation film. I'd recommend checking out the Switchblade Sisters. Got Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, also coming out on Arrow. That's okay. That's an okay one. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is coming out on 4K. We got Werewolves on Wheels from 1971. <laughs> Donnie Darko getting a 4K release. This is like some kind of crazy box set that has like a poster and images, like still, like still images and... It's like two DVDs. This is also coming out on Arrow. Big, big box set. We have a bunch of these like really cheesy looking wrestling DVDs coming out. Just thought I'd mention them because they're just like all over this release list. And they're so <laughs> like, they look like, you know, remember like those sports bloopers, VHS yeah. that used to come out. That's what the cover it's of the, a, these look like. It's just like 24 of those. Cops too hot for TV. Remember that? Remember yes. <laughs> I've seen those ads all the time. Too hot for TV, cops. Christ. Oh, boy. We have Her Name is Chef. Uh, got uh, The Salt of Tears. Nomadlands coming out. Each, each Dawn I Die from oh, 1939. This is uh, James Cagney. Got Beware the Children. Looks like a bad horror movie. Uh, a Lovely Way to Die from uh, 1968. Dirty Dancing is getting a new 4K edition. What? That's like a best. That's a Best Buy exclusive from the looks of it. Steelbook. Wow, how did that not already exist? I, I'm sure it does. This is probably just some other edition. I don't know about the 4K version, but uh, Berserkers, Gossip Nation. Uh, it's what's on the inside. I guess. Yeah. Uh, the Broken Crown. Uh, that's pretty much it. What what about Criterions? Uh, we got we got two. We got Irma Vemp from 1996, another movie I still have not seen. It's supposed to be incredibly good. And then Godard's uh, Masculine Feminine from 1966, which has been on Criterion for a long time, just getting a re-release. Mm. Nice. Getting that new new 4K digital restoration. Ah. Very nice. Very nice. It's interesting. They're getting 4K. Like, Criterion, they're doing 4K restorations, but they're not releasing them in 4K. They're still regular Blu-rays. So, like, don't you think they should just wait and then, like, release it in 4K if they're doing the 4K restorations? 
I guess they're just getting their self. I guess they're just taking care of it, and then at some point they'll do that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, like if it's even fun, like worth it, because I would imagine that most Criterion releases are a very niche thing to begin with, and then on top of that, I mean, like just the quality of Criterion releases. I'm sure that a lot of money gets put into doing all like the supplements and the packaging and all of that stuff. And then I I'm sure that they are aware of like what the, the market share is for like 4k users. So, but I feel like they were slow to adopt Blu-ray too. Yeah. I think you might be right. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.